Hey everybody, and welcome to the Amateur Philosophers Club, where two of your friendly neighborhood priests dive into some of the biggest questions in life, because we believe, just as Socrates believed, that the unexamined life is not worth living. My name is Father Richard Stonia, and I'm here with Father Denise Williamson. And today we are indeed diving into some of the bigger questions in life. In fact, the ultimate questions in life, the questions and the quest for being itself as we look, as we start looking into the science of metaphysics. But before we dive into metaphysics, Father Denise, how are you? Morning, Father Richard. Well, and yourself? What's happening? I'm very well, and I'm... I'm looking forward to this chapter. Me too. <laughs> Big time. Big time. It's it's a it's a yeah, it was really fun preparing for it and I I hope that we can we can um not just through our enthusiasm but also through our articulate hopefully exposition of some of the basic <laughs> ideas that we can um we can uh, at least foster some 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 excitement or some interest or some curiosity into this fantastic uh and deeply important science of metaphysics yeah i mean people today are, they love testimony they love personal stories we see we've got lots of listens for our vocational testimonies and so on but That's true. for us now we're getting to the real deal and we hope that uh yeah that be, that people will also see why it's so beautiful and and so mm. worth diving into yeah. But okay yeah <laughs> and and it goes back to that that thing that you've repeated a few times um that of that we we move from what is most known to us to and least sort of noble by nature is the quote right towards that which is least known that is most obscure um and that is that is more noble than though in itself by more nature it's more rich more real rich deeper uh because in our quest for being we 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 are getting closer to the source the yeah. source of all intelligibility the source of all all being all being right? so like in the last episode we did a, a, a overview of natural philosophy which like really was just a scratching of the surface i mean how can you speak yeah. about the philosophy of nature in just one episode but we we yeah. did our best just to give a, an introduction to that yeah i think in even in our in my like two-year course in philosophy we did about 60 hours in natural philosophy so <laughs> it's quite a condensation into last week's episode <laughs> yeah. okay but let's let's pull some conclusions from that so we yeah. said that um the student of nature the natural philosopher um, looks at nature in a way that's different to the the scientist of today because he wants to pull all those things together and ask those bigger questions of nature. So not just, you know, examining aspects of the natural world from the perspective of the mathematical sciences or even isolating certain classes of living beings as in biology, mm-hmm. but he wants to look at nature as a whole and understands it, understand its causes. Mm. We saw that there we need to look at nature according to the four causes, mm. two of them uh, being um, intrinsic, the formal and material cause that make up what a thing is, yeah. as well as ex- external cause, extrinsic causes, the efficient, the making cause, how a thing came to being, and then its final cause or its purpose. What it's made for. What it's made for. And that's looking at nature Nature, both in terms of its nature as a whole, including all natures and natures of specific natures of, of things. Correct. And so, like, what are the kinds of things that a natural philosopher studies in nature? Well, it's things like what is change? Yeah. What is motion? What is space? What is time? Um, wow. What is the universe? Yeah. What is the origin of the universe? That's that's what we call cosmology. Yeah. Um Cosmology, not in like the astrophysics sense, like today, but cosmology is like the science, the study of the universe of taken the universe as a whole. As a whole. So these are questions of natural philosophy. Mm. And we the, could go into those, and that's probably that's what we did, right? In those yeah. sixty hours, like, what is the nature of space? Of space. What is the like, nature what is of time? time? And the natural philosopher goes into nature, right? He looks at the things, the natural mm. things, and he and he and looking at them, uh, diving, like examining them, he asks these these deeper questions of that you've just mentioned, like mm. of of the nature of things. So that's where we got with with natural philosophy. Mm. And there we were we were looking at the world, we were learning things about it. But now it's time for us to go one step further. Mm. Because now we want to we don't just want to look at the the material visible world around mm-hmm. us, but we want to penetrate through that into the very core of reality itself. The very sure. the principles that make up all things. So not just looking at the at what bodies are made out of, mm-hmm. or natural substances, which is the task of natural philosophy, yeah. but all beings. Yeah. What are what are beings made out of? What does it mean to be? Yeah, the famous question. <laughs> yeah. Um, totally. 
yeah, what does it mean for a being to be? Yeah, it like goes beyond, like further, deeper than the questions of what a thing is. Um, which is, I mean, that's specifically yeah. a natural philosophy, uh, uh, question of natural philosophy, like what a thing is, um, why it is, like uh, all the, its different qualities, what they are and why they are and w- in what uh, sort of um, framework it exists and things like that is even deeper than those deep questions is the question of the very being of a thing. Like what does it mean for that thing to be? Not just what is its nature, but what does it mean for that thing to be? Mm. And that's that's why we we can't get to metaphysics without natural philosophy. We can't get to natural philosophy without um, looking at the world around us, right? And that's always going to be our point of it's our point of departure, and it's our point of reference is is reality, is things around us. And even in the deepest, we were speaking about this earlier. But even in the like the most the highest pitch of philosophy, we got to keep we got to keep bringing it back, grounding ourselves in in reality, in the things mm-hmm. in the in the things around us. And this is the this is the quest that is known as metaphysics. Yeah, um, metaphysics is the name of this of this endeavor um, because well, it comes from the Greek for after the physics. Mm. In other words, it's what you study after the physics for the reasons we've said. And another name for this part of philosophy is first philosophy. Yeah, because it looks at the first causes and first principles of all beings. Mm. So first philosophy, and Aristotle also gave this part of philosophy a name uh, called theology. Oh, Not right. like in the in the sense that we use it today, like you know the study of the Bible or stuff yeah. like that, but the study of the being from which all beings derive their existence. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, theology in the in a natural sense, yeah. we can even say natural theology. We'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah. But uh, but these are the names for this science, and this is philosophy par excellence. Mm. Because if philosophy, as we said at the beginning, is about trying to understand the most things through the fewest principles possible, yeah. this is what metaphysics That's does. That's it. This yeah. is like this is philosophy in its in, in kind of its its purest or its yeah. um its ultimate is mm. is metaphysics. Is because, like you said, we're looking here at the first and the ultimate causes and principles of things and we're studying being itself the many kinds of beings and the being that they they, yeah. they, they, they that they have and what it means in in the most general sense to be what is being and this is why another name for the science is also a more modern name is the is the is ontology which is ontos is the the greek word for being so it's like well this is the study of being so brilliant. So ontology, metaphysics, first philosophy or theology is the study of being as such. Not being as body yeah. or, or being as mathematical or being as living, yeah. which are all the particular sciences, mm. but being as such. As such. That's why you can say, you can like, okay, this particular thing is a, um, a rhinoceros, right? And it is, it's, it's got um, thick skin and it's got gray this and I'm looking at all the different aspects of it and it's, it's like, it, it, it's sentient and it, it, um, it's a herbivore um, and it, it moves from place to place. It's got this quality of locomotion, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what, the first thing that this thing is thing. and the deepest thing and the most the encompassing thing is that this thing is. That's that's its primary, its first act of being is its Existence, being, yeah. the fact that it is, and that's what we that's what we're exploring in ontology and metaphysics. All right. So now that we've uh, <laughs> said perhaps things that are more confusing than helpful, let's let's start diving into into the into the basics of this the science. Where can we start? Where do we start if we want to start with 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 metaphysics? Um, how about some distinctions? That's a good place, great place to yeah, start. They're, they're always helpful at the beginning, right? Um, now, in the scholastic tradition, there's a distinction that's made in this process of abstraction by which we uh, know things. Remember, yeah. uh, we know being by abstracting mm. the intelligible content from the thing over there yeah. and form a universal concept. Mm. And then we can know the nature of a thing through this concept that is now in our mind abstracted from the being. Yeah, so that's that. Going back to our our, our episode on how mm. how how man knows things, right? And we said there's there's this power of abstraction, um, and another way of understanding abstraction is somehow taking hold of the of the reality that's there, and and uh, especially as giving it a new existence our, in our mind, in our minds, through through which we can then understand mm. things. Now, there's a distinction between the kind of abstraction which we do all the time, a common sense abstraction, 
by which we can see that all things are beings and we can also see that there are individuals within a species or a class so we can see that okay all rhinos are animals mm-hmm. to follow your example yeah. there or like um all you can say like all things that live are whatever we can see yeah, the, uh, living creatures are whatever there is in the genus of living beings okay mm. and this is an everyday kind of confused unreflexive um common sense abstraction that we make by it, which we can see abstract the whole from the part yeah and that's how we we classify things, right? We say oh, these are all fl- these are all those different kinds of flowers are flowers, etc., yeah. etc. And this process is called total abstraction. Total abstraction, because we abstract the whole from the part. Right, and this is like you said, this is common sense. Mm-hmm. This happens kind of naturally, yeah. implicitly. We automatically see that okay, all those things are animals, mm-hmm. and we automatically see that um, all those things that's a plant. Uh, we just see that kind of naturally. We can group things and categorize things. We can take out the whole. And we can see that all of both animals and plants fall, fall in a greater... And uh, We see that, it, oh, it's a greater category of... of bodily substance. Of bodily substances. Right. So that's a natural process. Total mm. abstraction. Common so sense. just looking around, knowing the world, we abstract the whole from the parts. And the, yeah, as we said earlier, you know, this... Um, Common sense, that's, it's a really important word, and it's actually come up often in what we've, what we've been saying. And what, what we say common sense is that like common experience of reality. It's like that's really important because that's what we depart from when we just know things, is, is the experience of the world around us, right? When, when we just look around us and we see things, there's a kind of common, um, there's a common sense that, oh, things, um, there are things out there in the world, and I have contact with them. The like, most immediate contact I have with them is, is with my senses. But also have this kind of common sense, which tells me that these things are distinct um, and that they can be grouped, that they have kind of common, there's something common within them as well. So that's that's total abstraction. That's total abstraction. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was there anything else you wanted to say about that That kind of, that, um, shall kind we say, like, like spontaneous, that spontaneous abs- abstraction yeah. that the no, human that's, person that's does? Cool. Okay, yeah. so that's total abstraction. But we want to now make a distinction to a different kind of abstraction, um, more maybe, shall we say, intentional mm. abstraction. Um uh, so will you tell us a little bit more yeah, about that? Yeah, that's brilliant. So this is the this is the abstraction, which as you said, is more intentional and it's the abstraction that's proper to the sciences. Mm. It's known as formal abstraction because it's intentional, it's deliberate. And this is different from total abstraction because here we're not abstracting a whole from the part, mm. but rather we are f- separating an aspect of the thing we want to study and using that as the lens through which we understand something. This is really abstract, excuse yeah. the pun. Um, but to give an example, we can look at so we can look at the rhino yeah. and we can see that it's a it's an animal and it's a bodily substance mm. and that's the total abstraction. But we can also look at the rhino as a living being, mm-hmm. as alive. Yeah. Which is obviously a necessary quality but part of the structure of what it means to be a rhino. It's a it's a it's a it's an element of its of it, the reality of the rhino. Mm. So if I use living being as the lens or perspective through which I try to understand this creature in front of me, mm-hmm. I'm now studying the rhino biologically. Ah. And there you have biology. Mm. Under the lens of living being. Under the lens of living being, right? Um, that's formal abstraction. So as you said, formal abstraction is separating some aspect of the being we want to study and using that as the the aspect under which... We study it. Okay. So we separate the quality from matter because, as we said, we need to do that because matter is an hindrance to the intelligibility. Mm. And we use that then to study the creature. Now, there are different levels of formal abstraction. Yeah. The first level, the most basic level, is the one we just mentioned, um, where we look at the at the visible, sensible qualities mm. of things. So like their, their size, their color, the other qualities they manifest, the, 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 the characteristics of living and so forth. The texture. The texture, their appearance, mm. by which we then classify and study them. Yeah. And this is the level of the natural natural history yeah. and biology. Mm. Even even natural philosophy, right? Yeah. And and the natural sciences, would would they fit under this? I think so. Where we this we classify things according as exactly as, as they are living, as they are mm. um, present, you know exhibit certain characteristics that are similar. Yeah, that's the first level of, of formal abstraction. And that's interesting because in in doing that, to to do this act of to be able to formally abstract something that is that is shared and through which you look at look at these things, you have to sort of you have to transcend something something that's there, right? 
And what happens, what happens here in this first level of formal abstraction is when you're looking at the qualities of things, you're looking at qualities that are shared amongst many things. So you almost, um, you, you transcend the individual instances of a thing to look at the thing in general. Let me, like in a very general way, like um, if I'm looking at the color, like color is a quality of, of a thing. So this basic formal abstraction is looking at the color of many different things. I can see, okay, the, the, the redness of, um, of a leaf and the redness of a, um, the same kind of redness in, in soil or whatever, I can almost, I can separate, I can transcend the, the individual instances mm -hmm. of those to look at redness in itself. Like I look at the quality. Mm -hmm. is, is that part so of formal abstraction? Trans that's right. But then in the science, you'd then be looking at red things as it yes. were. That would be the science then. So oh, I see, yeah. You wouldn't be looking at redness. Not in itself. But, but yeah. you, would be, you would be looking at red, red things, you know. The, and then... What's another example of that? I just want yeah. to I, I want to give an example here of this first level formal abstraction where you are where you're looking at something that's that's shared. So you're not just looking at the um, the whole from the parts, but something that's shared that that transcends the individual instances of it. What about, for example, like within biology, just like uh, looking at mammals? All right, yeah, and you can say certain things about mammals that are that, that are true are, for mammals and let's say not true for reptiles. Mm. I think that's the first level of formal abstraction at work, and they're true for mammals, and that means for all mammals. So it's like it's like not this. It is true for this individual mammal, but I'm saying things. I'm the formal abstractions. Let me say things in a in a generic way about a specific quality, right? So, so, a shared quality. So there we're looking at 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 beings, bodily substances, living bodily substances, mm. but through the perspective under the aspect of. Mammality, whatever the word is. What is what mammalness? Uh, mammalness, and I forget now. What does it mean to be a mammal to give birth to live young, or something like that? Um, yeah, I think so. Whatever. <laughs> okay, so there's that's formal abstraction at work. There. Yeah. We are considering those beings under this under aspect, that aspect through, through that lens, an aspect of quality. Mm. All right, and that this quality, as I was just saying, it it transcends the individuality to a shared quality, and then we look at the individuals through that lens. Awesome. All right. So, so we and the, we can see this at work. This is why we have all these different sciences mm. and sub sciences within sciences, yeah. because of the of this first level of, of abstraction. And we can see, and it's much more intentional, right? It takes work and it takes effort to be able to distinguish these things. It's not just like a natural realization, um, a natural abstraction, a total abstraction. All right. So let's move now to the the second level of formal okay. abstraction. So shall we going a little bit deeper now into? reality and the being of things we're going we're penetrating through the sensible qualities deeper into the core now of their and the structure of their being and right. this is now the level of abstraction this is abstraction at the level now are not of quality but of quantity and dimension and extension in other words we're now looking at at beings almost mathematically hmm. that is to say in terms of their quantity and extension so their their size the relation between their parts so we're looking at beings mathematically wow. and this is now for example like physics interesting yeah um, physics the mathematical sciences the mathematical sciences because what's in the mathematical sciences we we treat bodily uh, bodily substances as mathematical objects so we draw mm. lines we have you know um, force fields yeah. magnetism lines you know all those kinds of things which are all geometric yeah but through that we can understand things about about the beings yeah the point is that if i look at the world around me the most immediate thing that i pick up or what my senses pick up i see its colors i see mm. the colors of things i see the shape I, well, I see the, I feel the texture of things. I can smell, and that's the first thing about looking at the qualities of things. And you can do that more and more intentionally in the sciences. As we go deeper, we see that these things, those colors and those, um, those, those shapes and things, they exist. They exist within an extended thing that's in time, that's in time and space, right? That extends um, in space. There's this, this mystery of extension, right? That that color. Red to exists. To have a color, there has to be something that has a color. There has to be some some dimension, yeah. th in at least in two dimensions, mm. some surface to be colored. That's it. That yeah. right? There no, needs to be a surface. You. Yeah. There needs to be a surface. Yes. And the whereas if looking at the quality is looking at the sensible aspect of it, going deeper than that and seeing the the relationship of those of that extension is 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 mathematical, right? It's it's a 
it's an abstra- a deeper abstraction of the of the can I uh, <laughs> help me out here? A deeper abstraction of the of the the very structure numerical relation of the structure of things. <laughs> well, it it is numerical because the because it's quantity extension and right and and that's what number is all about. It's about mm. quantity, um, and this level of abstraction is is goes deeper mm. to the reality of a being because, as you pointed out quantity precedes quality mm. because in order to have a quality one first needs to have quantity and extension right yeah. a being of zero dimensions mm. cannot be colored yeah right yeah just to, to put to put it bluntly there mm. needs to be needs to have a surface needs to yeah needs to have a surface and, and this is verified like in the sciences think how much we know about nature thanks to this mathematical approach yeah. i mean like everything we can study mathematically even like down to dna mm. Wow. you know looking at all the relations of the proteins and the mm. and all that all that stuff you know that you, you write it down mathematically yeah. and then you go even deeper to the sub to the atomic and subatomic mm. level yeah and even in science and and physics like how they describe things is in formulas equations of motion etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. and um, we, we see that this is a deeper way this is penetrating deeper into the thing itself yeah. um because like i said in the first instance of formal abstraction you're going beyond individuality um, to look at the quality of things. Common qualities. But now you're going beyond even quality to look at the extension of things, to look at the quantity of things and the relationship of quantities. And that's where, that's where this level of abstraction um, fits in. And that's, as you said, this is where we're looking at mathematical truths and relations and um, numerical harmonies and orders and things like that. And this is where, this is sort of what Pythagoras um, intuited, yeah. didn't he? Totally. He was the he was the really the first guy to pick this up. He's like um, there's a, there's quantity in things, <laughs> and this is the the source of their intelligibility. And today, I think like almost all science today is at this level now. Mm. What we would think of as science today is yeah at the second level of formal abstraction, mm. and we're, we're really good at it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's not the furthest kind of abstraction we mm. can make. There's still yet another level, a third level of formal abstraction. Where we now go, stop not just at the the quantity of a being, but the the source of its very quantity, mm. which is its being itself. Its being itself. Right. So we're peeling back yet another layer. We're yeah. we're going beyond a, another veil. We've gone beyond the veil of an individual, beyond the veil of the sensible. Now beyond even the veil of the quantitative and the extension to mm. the to the very core, the core of the thing. The the it's it's being itself. And this is this is metaphysics. This is metaphysics proper. This is first philosophy. <laughs> first yeah. philosophy is looking at the being of things. Wow! Look, this is um, <laughs> it's deep waters that we're getting into here, you know. And it's um, and I, I almost, I I really want to be able to communicate this to to our listeners because there is almost you know I I can I can imagine someone kind of following us this far and thinking well if you peel back that layer you're not you're left with nothing. There's nothing left, right? You've only got quality and quantity, and then there's nothing left, right? But, but metaphysics tries to show us that, no, that, that common sense intuition, that there is a thing there, that there are things around us that go beyond just, that are more than just a sum of their parts, and that they are part of, 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 an, of a whole, that things have, have being, that they, do, that they do exist, that that intuition is true and that we can go beyond these different levels and these different layers of the thing to look at and investigate and contemplate that being that being itself and there's something intuitive that tells us that it's there but the science itself of metaphysics is not intuitive it doesn't just happen naturally they're like oh let's contemplate being and its principles and its and its causes right it takes yeah. a certain effort doesn't it there's a great line in the in this chapter right which where the guy author says um it requires a trained sensitivity yeah. to, to penetrate to the depths of being um, because the metaphysician's notion of being is different to that our common sense notion. Yeah. Because for, in our common sense notion, like the word being is the blandest word out there. Like, okay, being, what does mm. that mean? You know, mm. everything is a being. But for the metaphysician, that word, which seems to be bland and nondescriptive, now suddenly becomes the richest font yeah. of intelligibility and knowledge. Mm. The, the, the deepest yeah. um, examination of things and the highest kind of science because we're looking at the most, the most ultimate um, cause of a thing, the most ultimate reality of a thing is, 
is being itself. And this is, I mean, this is beautiful. Like, without exaggerating, we're treading on hallowed ground here. Hundred <laughs> percent, um, man. Because, I mean, I'm sure that as the listeners have, have have picked up on, like, the more the more we get into this, the more our language becomes kind of like mystical or poetical, like spiritual. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because as we peel back these layers, these sensible layers that that are that are that are you know particular and partial manifestations of being mm-hmm. we now are arriving at the very source of what, of yeah. this mystery of what it what it means to be to to come out of the void you know to step onto the stage of existence mm. um and this is this is profound like this is serious yeah and it's yeah we kind of i don't know i when i was reading this chapter i it was so satisfying because mm. it it like reawoke in me um this awe and this reverence yeah. and uh, and it and it satisfied a part of my curiosity in my mind which mm. if i didn't read that i wouldn't even know was there yeah kind totally of, you and know this, what i'm saying i know exactly what you're saying and i often say to people and i was reminded of it um preparing for this chapter but i often say to people metaphysics changed my life <laughs> you and know, it's not nerdy to say that you know? <laughs> <laughs> it would be nerdy to say mathematics changed my life no i'm just kidding um, <laughs> um no metaphysics oh, yeah. it's it's because like you were just saying, like there is a, it's almost like, and I, there is a, there's an experience of doing metaphysics, like where you realize that you are, as soon as you start, as you manage to do that kind of intensive work of, of the intellect to go beyond the veils and start looking at being itself, there is something, there's something contemplative about it, you know, I was saying to you before something the podcast. In, in rapturing. Yeah, there's something akin that's similar yeah. to, in a way, um, obviously, analogously, um, but it's similar to to prayer. You know, like this is how I felt. Like there's something. This is the this is the closest I think you can get to contemplation of God in reality is when you're contemplating the things themselves. And that's why, as as I was doing this chapter, and as I did metaphysics things for the first in their time, ultimate reality, yeah, um, not 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 spliced up or di- dissected or just viewed under certain mm. aspects or lenses, mm. but things taken in in the full presentation of yeah of their being. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. And if you've ever had that natural, everyone's had that natural experience of being in awe or in in wonder of of um, something magnificent or something very simple in nature. Just that 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 sense of of, wow, this thing is is something extraordinary. Metaphysics seeks to delve into that intuition and to and to draw out of its depths all the riches of of being itself. And as you enter into the science, and I guess what I'm saying is that it does take it takes this sort of this effort of this intellectual effort, this trained sensitivity to be able to to perceive and contemplate the the being of things. To, to go past all of all of the layers and to contemplate the very being of things, but that that effort is comp- is very much worth it, and and I as I was saying, you know, I experienced this the how much it's worth it when I was when I first studied metaphysics and was reminded of it last night as I was recapping the stuff is like there is just as you described, there's sort of like it awakens a part of you, like there's the mm. sort of there's a there's part of you that's that's like made for metaphysics that's meant to be contemplating yeah. reality and that lies for most most of most of my life and I think for most people kind of lies dormant you know when we study things and we do and we're educated about things we're on a certain level but but there's the level of contemplating reality and 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 um being itself that is that is higher than all of these and, and for so that reason satisfying for that reason it's so satisfying yeah. because it's a part of our intellects that is so um so seldom uh uh exercised today exercised because of the the, the practical orientation of our sciences 100 we, we percent yeah. out, you know and it's so seldom exercised that it it becomes kind of a weekend stuff but it training it and bringing it up and getting that experience of contemplating being itself is is like a spiritual experience is <laughs> like an awakening of a part of your intellect that you never that i never realized i had that I was like, wow, this is what knowing is like. And it is this intuition, kind of side note here, but I think this is why like even um, some of the pagan philosophers like Aristotle, his idea of, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but he kind of saw um, the ultimate fulfillment, even in the afterlife of of the of the human nature is contemplation, right. is being able to see being itself. <laughs> Drinking being from, this, from its source. From its source. Yeah. Yeah. Contemplating God. 
Exactly. That's the, that was his idea of happiness. Yeah. Man's happiness. Man's because, happiness. Because we, our minds are made for for truth. We are made to know being. We are made and to know a, being. Yeah, it's a, that's so true. I, mm. I like I just I share that one hundred percent. I also had like an, an awakening mm. uh, in in in. in, in beginning to study metaphysics because like again we're not pros over here no, we're very much amateurs and and you almost perceive perceive that as you start metaphysics you're like wow i've just dived into a massive pool of an ocean <laughs> an ocean of of like human knowing that i never knew existed mm-hmm. and i realized that i'm like i'm i'm barely staying afloat but uh but that this pool is so is so um so refreshing that I want to keep swimming and I want to learn how to swim better. And you made such a great point there about the, the this habit that we need to develop mm. and cultivate of looking at things metaphysically because yeah. it is a habit. It's not it's not the intuitive gaze that mm. we all have, the spontaneous intuitive gaze of mm. common sense. It starts from there, no doubt. Yeah. But it's a gaze that that comes about through the trained sensitivity mm. of the mind, and that requires effort and yeah. work. It, and it's a, it's because science and knowledge are habits, as yeah. as Aristotle points out. And the habit means you've got to exercise it. You've got to yeah. train yourself and listen to good music and and mm. stop to smell the roses. Absolutely, like literally, you do. Mm. Um, and there's today that's difficult for us because you know we've been trained culturally to to look at knowledge as a means to an end, mm. whether for uh, like for financial end you know like just to for for the sake of a job mm-hmm. but also to to make things yeah to improve our lives mm. not science as contemplative mm. but science as, as as productive productive or informative or inform yeah mm. so there's that there's that that double hindrance i think in our modern society mm. to metaphysics which we we need to overcome but it's worth overcoming yeah because it's, again like we what, what this is what we're made for Mm. What our is minds to look are at, are made for you. Yeah, is to look at things in themselves yeah. um, and as they are. To look at the 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 isness. <laughs> to look at being itself and, and rem- contemplate it. And oh, like again, remember what we said. Like, um, it seems easy to talk about being in general because mm. these are these are everyday words, mm. but in reality, these are the hardest things to yeah. talk about because yeah. they're the most profound. Yeah. And like again. It's we none of us like doing maths because mm. it's it's hard or it's perceived to be hard, but in with respect to metaphysics, maths is easy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, right, so remember that inscription at the door of the academy: uh, yeah. "Let no one enter who has not studied geometry." Stu- yeah, fair enough. So yeah. just just bear that in mind. Yeah, and I um, want I want to just add in there that that when we say these things, we're not saying that productive science, informative science, mathematical and physical science are not important. But we're saying that it's a mistake when we start thinking that that's the end of knowledge, that that's where knowing ends. Um, or that, that knowledge is all just for the sake of, of, you know, let's say finding vaccines or curing diseases yeah. or improving one's life or getting better technology. All important and good. Oh, and obviously, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. But that knowing goes beyond that. Both and, okay? Mm, both and, yeah, yeah, exactly. But knowledge goes deeper and our intellect is made for more than that. And I think that's why that verb that we've used a couple of times, that also it's a spiritual verb, right? But it's most appropriate in the science of metaphysics. That when we start looking at the being of things, it actually, we need to do it with a contemplative gaze we're like contemplating being like that's the the task of the metaphysician is that he he's swept up what is that that quote from that that carthusian is like being swept up into into the the everyday things the things that the ordinary things um or the most natural and simple things being swept up into ecstasy over these things because you're contemplating the being of these things themselves wow okay <laughs> hopefully that's a little bit of motivation that this is a science that is um, deeply human, um, the highest kind of science, and very much worth the effort of, 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 of plunging, right? Of of intentionally trying to understand and wrestle with these things. Because I know, listening to this, there's there's sort of like the temptation that, like, okay, I'm not quite following that. Let me skip to the next one, or let me listen to an episode or a different podcast that's like more interesting or more immediately accessible or more like existentially relevant more apparently existentially relevant yeah. whereas being itself is the most relevant um yeah. thing existentially but it but i just encourage you with on our podcast or in another one that um that speaks about metaphysics is is it's worth that if that mental effort that um that intentional um that intentional gaze that that's stopping to contemplate and think and ponder over things because you're delving into their very very reality which takes a lot of mining mental mining but mental mining that uh, ends up in gold absolutely so okay 
Metaphysics. <laughs> we, we, we put on our metaphysician's hat. Yes. We want to study being as such. Yeah. We want to penetrate these depths. So where do we start? Well, let's start with this, with, with looking at what does it mean when we call beings beings? Yeah. Um, because everything that's out there is a being. <laughs> yes. Mm. And so all things are beings, but we also see that there are different kinds of beings. There are humans, there are animals, there are, you know, planets, there are possibilities, which are kinds of beings, mm. because the only thing that is different from being is nothing. It's nothing. But a possibility is not nothing. Yeah. It's a, so a possibility or a potency in scholastic language is a being it's or a, a kind. A kind of a being. A kind of being. So there, there are many different kinds of beings. Mm. Like duh. <laughs> and, well, and but it is that's that's the first step is to see that the most the most um, uh, encompassing thing you can say about everything and all things is that that they have being that they are. Okay, so the most basic kind of thing we can say is that something is a being. Mm. Being is common to everything to everything <laughs> because everything is a being. Yeah. So being is the widest and most universal notion. We can say, and that if that the the only difference, the only thing that it that is outside of being is is nothing, is nothing. So I think either so it's like just beyond as as long as the thing is not nothing, <laughs> then it has being. Then it has being, but not all beings have the same being, because we speak of different beings, as we said, humans, yeah. animals, planets, yeah. subatomic particles, possibilities. Mm. So we we there's this gaze that we realize that all things have in common the fact that they are, the fact mm. that they they have being, but then we also realize at the same time that they are different in their kind or their way of being. They're different in their way of being, and this is a, a, immediately a mystery. Mm. And here we're coming up against this perennial mystery of sameness and yeah. difference. It's a mystery we've touched on often in the podcast mm. because it's so it's like, um, it's apparent and it's it's demands uh like a, a reconciliation that can account for the sameness and things that all things have something in common that they, we kind of they are beings they are beings and that um that the difference of of things right that there are individual beings to things because, that have a different way of being because to be a man is not the same as to be a animal yeah or to be a hippopotamus exactly. or to be a, a an apple and yet both are beings so let's Let's unpack that. How do we how do we account for the sameness and difference? How do we account for the fact that we we call all beings beings, therefore their sameness and commonality, mm. but that they are also different? And we have to add, they're not different just in respect of their qualities or of their physical dimensions, their their, their quantity, but they differ in their very being. Mm. Because remember, the only thing that's outside of being is is nothing. Is nothing, and things are beings they, yep. they are so in virtue of what do, do we say that beings are different well they're different in their very being yeah so how do we how do we account for that how do we account for the sameness or how do we account for the difference yeah, both or both <laughs> yeah so we're trying to under so we're trying to unpack this the spontaneous intuition mm. by which we call everything that exists a being yeah which reveals an awareness of a commonality but mm. also of of difference of sameness and difference we realize and this, that the, yeah. the things around us as soon as we re that the things we encounter um that they are but they are differently so in other words to be you can be in different ways yeah you can be in different ways mm. there is no one way to be because of everything everything we've just said and if we can say you can be that's what's what's in common and in different ways, that's what separates things. That's what separates them. So, pulling that together, Aristotle said that the word being is actually said in different ways. It's not said univocally, but or equivocally, but analogically. Okay, let's, let's unpack yeah, that. Let, let, let's, all un, let's all unpack that. So, so some, things, some things can be said in different ways. Some things can be said in different ways. So, when I say that... Um, a, a rhino is an animal and a hippo is an animal. Yes. That word animal there is used in this exactly the same sense, yeah. right? Yeah. It means the same thing in both cases. Yeah. 
And that's what we call univocation. Yeah, they're different kinds of animals, but they are both animals. Both and animals, we're using right. that word animal in the exact same in sense. In the exact same sense. Yeah. But then I can also say that um, like the, the, that little blind flying creature is a bat. Yes. But I can also say that this wooden object, which I used to hit a cricket ball, is a bat. Is a bat, yeah. Okay, but now bat there is obviously not used in the same sense. It's used in a different sense. Completely right? different Completely sense. different. Yeah. Like it just happens to be that in English it's the same word. Mm. So it's used in a different sense there. And that's called equivocation. equivocation. So the first kind, when, we, when we're using a word in the exact same sense, is what's called, is when a, word, when a word's meaning is univocal. Yeah. And when a, word's, uh, when a word is the same, but used in completely different senses, we say that that's, it is um, equivocal. equivocal. That mm-hmm. they are, they're completely different. When we use that word, we're pointing to a completely different reality than when we use that word. When we say bat in that instance and bat in, in that instance. So, yeah, exactly. So, a sideline. So, like in English, like an equivocation yeah. is, a, is, a, is a misunderstanding of meaning. So, two people using the same words but actually meaning different meaning things. Meaning different things. Equivocation. Yeah. And that often, often it's good to point those out when you're having an argument or a discussion. It's like, oh, actually, let's just define our terms here because you're Big using time, yeah. that term in a different sense and I'm using it in this sense. And as we see, like most of the time, the arguments just come down to equivocation ultimately. Very okay. often, yeah. So we, we're bringing this up because the question here is when I say that a hippo is a being and a man is a being, mm. so I'm using the same words yeah. to describe two different things. Am I using the word being in an equivocal or, or univocal sense? Does being mean the same thing completely like it does mm. Animal. Like animal does, or is being used in the sense that bat is said of cricket bats and that blind flying creature. Hmm. Is being said univocally or equivocally of of beings? Well, it can't be it can't be equivocal because we know that there that when we say being or when we realize that there are different kinds of beings, that there is something there is something shared, right? Between a hippo and a and a rat. Um, and between a hippo and a blade of grass and an apple and a man and a star, mm. um, that there is something the yeah, same yeah. there, right? So totally. it can't be there completely is a, there, equi- is a, there is a likeness. There's a sameness, yeah. definitely. So it can't be completely equivocal. Yeah, but is it univocal? Well, no, because to be a to be a bat, or sorry, to be like a hippo is not the same as to be a blade of grass. Mm. Um, otherwise, they would be the same. Yeah, and the differences, that's the difficulty here, is that the differences can be so vast because when we speak about being as the most basic and and general um reality that is anything that is not nothing this includes god as a being and it clu- and it includes man as being but the difference between god and man is literally infinite yeah and as you mentioned earlier it also includes uh, the way of being in being in possibility like there's the possibility of that the way that uh, an oak tree can come from this acorn under the right conditions, that, that, that potency, that possibility, it has a kind of being. But then that yeah, difference between the oak tree itself and the possibility of the oak tree is that that difference is so vast. It's the difference between actually being in existence or potentially being in existence. Like, so those, those differences are so vast. Like, mm. how can we say that, that when we say that there are both beings, that it's, the, it's said in the same kind of way? And this is the this is the this is the challenge, isn't it? Um, of saying like, how do we account for the the difference in things, and how do we account for the sameness in things? To use another example, yeah, exactly. Like we we say that man, ex- like you exist. Yeah. Okay. But I can also say that green exists. Yeah. Because it, it green is is most definitely something. Yeah. It's not nothing. It's not nothing. But hang on a second. Does green exist in the same way that you exist? No. No, because green, you exist in and of yourself, mm-hmm. right? You're there, but there's no green out there, contrary to what Plato thought. Yeah. I can only see green in things that have the color green mm. in them, like blades of grass, etc., etc. And But greenness has an abstract existence. Mm-hmm. So, so it's real, but it doesn't have the same existence that, let's say, you have yeah. or that tree has. Yeah. So there is, there's another example mm. of... We both call them beings. We have to call them beings because they're not nothing, mm. but their existence is not the same. So what's the what's the solution to this to this enigma? Mm. Well, Aristotle said that we call things beings not neither univocally nor equivocally, but analogically. Okay. And analogy is like um is like halfway in between univocation and equivocation. 
what does that mean? It says that basically being is said in different ways, but there is still a shared likeness, but in virtue of which we can call all things being. In other words, analogy is a proportion. Yeah. It's a relation. Mm. It's like saying um, the lion is the king of the jungle. Yeah. Okay. Um, when I say that the lion is a king, yeah. I don't mean he's literally a king, like univocally, mm. right? Yeah, he's not a monarch. He's not um, a monarch, okay? <laughs> but neither do I mean it completely equivocally. Yeah, there's something... There's no relation. There is some relation of a lion to a king there. Yeah. Why? Well, what's the, what's the relation? What's the bridge? Well, it's like a lion is to the jungle as a king is to his country. In At least words, in terms of, like, power. It, exactly, or authority or whatever. Or authority, okay? yeah. And it's in virtue of that relation of a king to his country mm. and the lion to the jungle mm. that you can say that the lion then is the king of the jungle. Mm. So analogy is this interesting like mm. mean between equivocation and univocation. Yeah. So it's like it's it's saying that there's something different about these things. Yeah, but that there is obviously a lion is not a king. Yeah, but there is something the same. There's a there's a likeness there as well. Yeah. And that there's a proportion you, like you used proportionate mm. languages at the language of proportion there like that a in the sense that a a king is to his country, so uh, in a like way, but not a not, not a univocal exactly way, yeah. Uh, yeah. the the line is to the is to the um is to the jungle, or for like this is what we mean when we say analogy is means like in some way. There's this similarity in some way, but difference in another yeah, way. Um, the to use the um the example we were using earlier, right? Um, that a bat, the animal, is different from a bat, the cricket bat, but you can. I was just thinking there's another way of using that term that you hear sometimes, you know, when someone gets rejected by... Uh, <laughs> he gets bat. <laughs> exactly. When he gets rejected by a potential uh, girlfriend or potential, like, partner, he will say, um, oh, that guy got... He got bat, you know. <laughs> but when we're using that comparison, we're saying, we're saying there's actually... That's an analogy. We're saying that, that what happened to that guy, the way he got rejected, was there was something similar in the way that when, when a bat hits a ball and gets, <laughs> gets tossed out of the park, right? Gets knocked out of the park. That there, there's, something, there's something overlapping, something similar. Some way that we can compare the mm. cricket bat um, hitting a ball to that person being rejected. That there's, and that helps us understand the, the fact of the person getting rejected. We use that to, to show us some truth. Um, the overlap there shows us some truth about that... Um, about that rejection. About that rejection. And that's an analogy, right? Awesome. So, yeah, an uh, analogy, this likeness, but not not total likeness. Mm. Um, um, so, yeah, let's... So, being is said analogically. So, animals and humans and atoms and planets are beings, not identically, because they're not the same beings, but mm. not also completely differently. Mm. There's some there's some likeness there. There's a likeness between the 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 being of a man and mm. the being of an atom. Mm. There's some similarity or proportion yeah. there. What is that? Now let's get into what yeah. that exact proportion yeah. and similarity is. Mm. In virtue of which I can say that both a man and a, a tree are, are beings, and both a, a potential and an abstract are, yeah. are also beings. Are also are also beings, and this is the. This is the this is the cool part. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is like well, then what is that likeness? What is that overlap? What is what is sh- what is shared there? What What's is the shared proportion? between different beings? The the proportion is that. Let's see if I can get this yeah. right. Um, the proportion is that for every being, its being is proportionate or commensurate to its existence. So, to be a tree means to have the being that is proportionate to being a tree. To be a tree is to be fully a tree. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> These are very basic sentences, but they <laughs> but bear with us over here. Okay. The being of each thing is proportionate to its existence. There's a kind of a harmony there between what a thing is and its actual existence there. And it's in virtue of that proportion that a thing has to its existence that we can say that different kinds of things out there are all beings because they all have in common this proportion between their being and their existence. Their being and the, the proportion, what they have in common is that they have a proportion of, of their being to their existence. To their existence, exactly. What is that proportion? That What does that mean? Like, 
um, do you mean like in terms of what it could be or what it is by its nature? Um, that I have as I as a man, I have a, I have I have a certain kind of of being, and that being is in proportion to my my nature as a as a man. I think so. Yeah, it okay. means it means that to be something means to be a certain kind of being. Mm. And the, and the being that I have, my existence, is not bigger or smaller mm. than what it means for me to be. Yeah. I am this, mm. uh, and and it's it's in it's in proportion. It's yeah. fitting. It's not it's not like um, I I have too little or too much mm. existence for what the kind of thing that I am. Mm. There's a certain relation. There's a relation and. Mm. Does it help also, I think he looks at this in, in the book, we, when we start looking at this proportion of, of being and its relation to, to existence, it helps to recognize that, in fact, you can have more or less being. Mm. And so that's an, an individual thing, right? You can think about a child, is, it's got a human nature, it's got its essence of being um, a human, but so much of it still has to come into being, right? It, it, so much of it is, is only in, in possibility, is in potency, still has to be actualized throughout its life. So you can say that the adult man has more being than the child because more of his possibilities have been actualized. actualized. Like he, he has more ways of being that have been opened up in his, in his, in his totally. way of being. Yeah. So he has greater, he's got more being um, he's not of worth, more worth, right? Because the worth has to do with the nature. But he has more being than the child because more of his his possibilities have been actualized. So that's on on one level that if there can be more or less being within a within a certain nature. But there's also that you can have that there you can have different beings between which there can be more or less being. So like a stone, the being of a stone is proportionate to the existence of a mineral substance which has certain qualities which has a certain kind a certain kind of existence yes. to be a stone yeah. but compare that with the existence of a man yeah. or an animal mm -hmm. or any living thing and you see that the that the the being that we enjoy or that animals enjoy is greater than the being of a stone because to be an animal is to be more to be more that you can you, you can you, do more yeah. you can animals can sense they can move they can they can do more they, they, their being is bigger it's richer they have more possibility yeah. there's a great there are greater ways of being greater ways in of an being. animal than in a mineral so so we can see that this the, the, the animal has mm. more being than the than and what the do we mean when we say that there's a greater way of being it's like you can say more things about an animal yeah. than about a than about a stone. Yeah. Because the animal does this, it does that, it digests, it lives, it moves, it senses, it runs, it mm. cries. You can say all these it things about it, it has because more, it does them. It has more acts. Just like more acts, more actuality, yeah. more being. <laughs> Comparable, analogous, right, with how a child is has less being than a man in the sense that more still has to be actualized. You can say that of a mineral and an animal. That, okay, this doesn't have the potential to do more. The, the stone doesn't have the potential for locomotion and for self-nutrition. Right. But the plant does. And so it has more being than the stone. And the animal has locomotion as well, right? Mm. And as, as well as self-nutrition. Um, but the, the man has intellect and reason. So it's got more being than that as well. The angel, or the pure form, has even greater, has greater being itself okay. right so that really helps that helps us a lot so this is what we mean when we say that a being has um its be its being is proportionate to its existence mm. that again like a stone or an animal or a man have the kind of being that is proper to what it means to be that yes and so they can have that being in more or less um yeah. so that's the that's, that's the similarity mm. in the proportion mm. but the dissimilarity comes from the fact that some beings can be more than others yeah. as, as you pointed it's out it's their way of being their way of being is different mm. so this is this is what we mean when we say that being mm. is analogous or yeah. what we, what is known as the analogy of being yeah and this is really really important it's it may sound like really ob and abstract but it's super important to see to understand that being the term being it's not said univocally or equivocally of beings, but analogically. Analogically. And maybe we should have pointed it out, but the word analogy just comes from the Greek for proportion. Hmm. So there's a proportion. That sameness of what yeah. the overlap there 
is is what they have in common. It's the proportion, proportion of each beings to its existence. To its existence. But the dissimilarity is, of course, the different ways of the being. ways of being and the, the grade of being. And the grade of being. You can have mm. high, more or less being in that in that way in different ways of 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 being. So when we talk about being, here's one conclusion: we mm-hmm. need to distinguish because there are different ways of being. Yeah. And this is the error that, remember Parmenides back in the day, mm-hmm. who said that all beings are one and that everything's one and nothing changed, fell into. Yeah. He, he didn't distinguish this. He said that being is said univocally. Yeah. In other words, that being means exactly the same thing in every time we use the term. Mm. And so he couldn't distinguish mm. moving things from non-moving things and so on. What is, is, and what is not, not, is not. not. And so that all that is, if it is, then it's... if. If all that is is being, then all being then is... Then everything is being. Everything is one. Everything is the same. Everything is being and being is one. Yeah. And and difference and change are illusory. Are illusory, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is called monism. Monism or in the sort one-ism. of... Oneism. Oneism or even in the spiritual um, version of this, the religious version of this, that includes God in the realm of being. That And all because is... Because God is a being. God is a being. Therefore, God exists. Yeah, and he's a being. if all things are one and God is... And all things are being then all things are God. And that's what pantheism is. And God is all. And God is all, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's what New Age, uh, that's sort of the underpinning of, of, of the New Age spirituality is that like energy or everything is God, right? And you are God and there's... We're all it, part of the divine substance. We're all know? part of the divine substance. But that falls into the, it's the Parmenic, Parm, uh, it's the era of Parmenides and this, the... the, the Going metaf- to the one extreme. The metaphysical era of... You, you, of univocally saying being is saying yeah. that when we say being, we mean that we mean the same thing of all things wow. that share this fact of being being. <laughs> but there's another error too on the opposite side, right? Yeah, there the, on the side of the equiv- of of saying being is predicated equivocally is saying that there's no commonality, there's nothing shared between beings, that things are completely um, isolated uh, from each other. They differ so much in their being that in fact they're not even beings. They're not even beings. <laughs> I mean, it sounds absurd to say, but this is what the position holds. If you mm. if you go to that extreme, and this is pluralism mm. opposed to monism, yeah. So things are so diverse that they're not even beings. And there's one aspect of this, and I think this is what you're going to say. Like this is very much like our friend Heraclitus. Heraclitus, right? Where he said, "No, nothing is. Nothing is. Nothing is." Everything is change. Flux. Everything's always changing. We cannot say that anything is at any particular moment. But that's that's the error on this side. Is 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 not allowing for a commonality of being something shared, um, and that that what that that overlap, not allowing for that overlap, and this 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 way of analogy, right? This analogy of being, this is what keeps us from those errors and helps us to bring together those two realities that we encounter, right? And that's what's interesting, right? We get back to that um, the fact of of common sense. Because in, in our common sense, we, we realize that, um, that, that things agree in the way that they are all beings. Like we realize that all things are beings, but they, that there's a difference, that they all differ in their way of being. And, um, or to put it another way, that what is common to everything, that, um, that being itself, that all things are being, right? So what is common to everything um, that is, is being, but at the same time, they differ by their very way of being. We almost, we intuit this by common sense. But what metaphysics does, it's a very intentional, um, uh, rational diving into that intuition. And then it is the analogy of being that when we come back to our experience of the world around us that says, yes, this is how we can hold together the fact that all things have in common that they are beings. But that not all things, but they differ in their way of being. Is that that we can, we speak, when we speak of being, we speak of it um, analogically. So there's this cool circular motion. Yeah. We, we, we start with our common sense and intuition, mm-hmm. and then we examine them deeply, and then return to those original intuitions with this deepened understanding mm. and a deepened gaze, yeah. as it were. But this is really cool, because the analogy of being is, a, is, a, is an entryway into, yeah. into metaphysics, because yes. we see that, okay, to be is said in different ways. Mm-hmm. Now, in our next episodes, we're going to unpack that. Okay, what are the different ways mm. of, of being? Ways of being. And at the same time, 
if we can say that being is something shared, that there's something common in being, then we can start saying, predicating things, start saying things of being itself. That of is all beings. Of all being yeah. that is shared amongst all beings. Whereas if we said there's nothing in common, that it's only equivocal, then we can't say anything of all beings. Right. But when, as soon as there's something shared, we can start saying um, things about this way of being and about being itself. And this is then, this is the... This is the quest that of this is unlocking this, the, the science of, of, of this, the science of metaphysics, which is the the quest and the mining for the for the treasure of of being itself. <laughs> awesome, man! Thank you so much for this conversation, and I really I really hope that we've been um we've been able to to transmit it in a way that that has engaged our listeners and and sparked their in- interest in in this fascinating science that really um that is is part of the highest way of knowing that but this this kind of this first philosophy is looking at the very being of things i hope it's been interesting for you listeners um listen again if if there was something in there that that um sparked your attention as you can start wrestling with these ideas and for the next few episodes we're going to be diving into this then what can we say about different ways of being what can we say about being itself um as we explore more and more metaphysics awesome thanks a lot for the conversation and we'll see you next week ciao